So this is a study by embryology or developmental biology. It used to be called embryology, which is which stands for the study of the embryo. But it's not only the study of the embryo, it includes also the fetus and uh, everything about different problems that may happen during the development. That's why the term developmental biology applies better. And the study of the development, like all the sequence, all the things that happen from the one cell stage until birth, it involves a series of changes that are really complex, and most of them cannot be studied in the human embryo. And they have to be extrapolated from research done in other species. Because we cannot get embryos and slice them and see them under the microscope. And other species are used, mammals, to uh, study these changes and then extrapolate the changes to the human uh, development. Although many things, many things have been found and studied in, uh, in the human and found to be very accurate. So everything starts with fertilization, and then we say that the embryonic period starts at that point. The embryonic period starts at fertilization, and it goes through the eight weeks of development. After the eighth week, then we are in the fetal period, the fetus. It's called fetus when it reaches nine weeks of development, and it continues until birth. And after birth, we have a newborn, and neonatal period is described now, and it covers the first 28 days after birth. And that's a very different specialty. There's uh, uh, doctors specialized in neonatology which is this period of 28 days, which is a period of, of adjustment. And this is the point where many things can be detected, problems that come from the mother, uh, inherited problems, um, or things that may be acquired during birth. Um, that's why we consider this 28 days, a different period, a neonatal period. And after that, then we start with uh, all the stages of infant, toddler, and, and so on. So in terms of time, timeline, we see these periods that we just described, the embryonic period with a cutoff point at eight weeks. After the eight weeks, we have a fetal period until the week 38. This is arbitrary. We usually consider 40 weeks, but we give a plus or minus two weeks, that's what we consider 38 weeks, maybe up to 42 weeks. Average is 40 weeks. Usually we say 38, 40 weeks. And there's another type of, another way to divide this, which is in trimesters. Like second trimester, first trimester, third trimester. Well, the weeks are used more than, than the months because it gives you a more accurate description in short periods of time. And uh, fertilization is a beginning point, which is not the same day of the last menstrual period. Consider the last menstrual period happens, and then after two weeks, day 14, is the ovulation. And if there is a fertilization, that will happen at that moment, around the day 14 after the last menstrual period. 
But we take the last menstrual period as a reference, as the beginning of the pregnancy. But two weeks after is when the fertilization actually happened. And that's what we consider these two weeks always uh, of interval because of this delay between the last menstrual period and the time of fertilization. But regardless of that, all these timelines are, uh, are very useful. Like saying first trimester includes up to the week 12, second trimester to the week 25, and the third trimester to the week 38. Now, the reason why we do this is that there are specific things that happen in the first trimester. Other things happen in the second trimester and others in the third trimester. For instance, as a rule, we say during pregnancy, the first trimester is the most sensitive or the most uh, where things can happen like injuries or drugs may affect, intoxications, diseases can be very dangerous for the baby in the first trimester. And the reason is what, uh, because at that moment is when all these cells are in very active differentiation and mitosis. And if something happens like radiation or some toxic substance enters into the blood of the mother that will reach the baby and may cause problems in the development. Second trimester and the third trimester, most of the organs and the structures are already defined and they, they just start growing in size. So going back to the very beginning, the fertilization and how that happens, the sperm that is ejaculated is not actually capable of fertilization right away. There must be a period that follows ejaculation and when the sperm is in the uh, reproductive, uh, the female reproductive system, this process is called capacitation. There's a series of changes that the sperm goes through. One of them is the tails will start to move. Actually, they move, but they change the pattern of movement. The pattern changes so the sperm can go faster. And this tail moves in a different way in order to reach the uh, egg that should be in the uterine tube. Only sperm that is capacitated will be able to get to the all site and respond to the chemical factors because I think I mentioned how the sperm cells know that they have to go to the left tube or the right tube. There must be capacitated for that and recognize the chemotaxis signals that the egg is sending saying I'm in the left tube, not in the right tube. So a good proportion, a good part of these sperm cells will go to the correct tube. So that process is called capacitation. And the sperm, when it's ready to fertilize, it will reach the uterine tube and it will find the egg. And in order to get inside the egg, it must go through layers that are first the corona radiata, granulosa cells. There are cells that still are surrounding the oocyte. <clears throat> right under the corona radiata, we have a zona pellucida, which is a band, which is a band that in the lab we can see it like a blue ring around the oocyte. It's made of glycoproteins. 
and it's right before or covering completely the plasma membrane of the oocyte. Now when the sperm gets here, all of them at the same time, they start hitting against the corona radiata and zona pellucida and the acrosome, which is in the head of the sperm, like a helmet, it will break and release the enzymes. And those enzymes are going to digest the corona radiata and the glycoproteins of the zona pellucida. And the first one comes and sends enzymes, opens uh, a, a part of the zona pellucida, then comes more and more and more. The one that comes behind all the rest is the one that finds the door open and enters into the oocyte. Now, when the sperm have digested all the zona pellucida, one of them, one of the sperm cell, will fuse membranes with the oocyte. This process is called syngamy, the fusion of the sperm with the plasma membrane of the oocyte. And as soon as this happens, there will be a seal. This membrane of the oocyte will be sealed completely. So no more sperm cell can come in. This is to block polyspermy. Sometimes when there are problems of development of the oocyte and they are not normal, um, we may see this problem of polyspermy that more than one sperm gets inside. And if that happens, that egg or zygote is not, it's not viable. Imagine it's 3N, two sperm bringing N each plus the N of the egg, that will be 23, 69 chromosomes, which is not compatible. So it may divide twice, once, and then dies and reabsorbs. So this membrane of the oocyte goes through a series of changes that have to do with depolarization, the changes in electrical charges and the sperm not able to enter, just one. And once the sperm cell is inside the oocyte, which is in the secondary oocyte stage, the oocyte completes the meiosis II. And it divides quickly into an ovum, properly called ovum now, and a second polar body, which is a very small collection of DNA with some membrane with no organelles at all, that will be reabsorbed. But then what, if, what we have is the oocyte, secondary oocyte with the nucleus, plus the nucleus of the sperm is already in. And these two nuclei are called the pronuclei because they are going to fuse. They will fuse, and now we have 23 plus 23, 46 chromosomes. <coughs> this is what we see here. The genetic material from the sperm and the ovum will merge into a single a single diploid zygote, and which is the beginning of the embryonic stage. As soon as these two nuclei get fused, immediately the zygote will divide in two cells. And from there, the division continues very quickly. Two, four, eight, 16 cells, and so. 
And in the next 24 or 48 hours, we have more than 100 cells already. All of them with a unique DNA, unique material. 23 plus 23, 46 chromosomes. This is a sequence of the development of the egg, of the zygote, right after fertilization and timeline. And also we see how this zygote goes forward in direction to the uterine cavity. So we start from the ovulation, the oocyte gets out of the ovary, enters the tube, and if there are sperm, the fertilization will happen right here. The day zero, fertilization, the sperm is fusing the egg. Now the fertilized egg, we have it here, the zygote. And in the first day, the zygote will start dividing and start advancing towards the uterine cavity. But the day two, we have two cell stage. But the day three or four, four cell stage, and it keeps going and dividing. But the day five, about the day five, we have more than eight cells, 16 cells, and it enters into the uterine cavity after five days after fertilization. Now, in the day five, now this zygote goes through different stages. The zygote ter turns into a morula. We call it morula because this is a group of cells, a lot of cells all together. And then we have a blastocyst. It's called blastocyst because there's a collection of fluid inside, like a cyst. And by the day six or seven, after fertilization, implantation will happen. The blastocyst will get implanted. That means that this zygote attaches to the wall of the uterus, the uterine cavity, endometrium, and start getting nutrients from the endometrium. So that's all sequence. All that happens in seven days after fertilization. This is the process by which the zygote starts dividing in different number of cells. Cleavage is the division of the zygote in the first week. This is called the blastomeres, the individual cells. We still see the polar bodies there that belong to the ovum, that they will be reabsorbed quickly. And still the zona pellucida is surrounding this, um, you know, this zygote of two cells, two cell stage in the day one. But three or four days after fertilization, we have the morula. The morula, and then after one day, the blastocyst. That's the sequence, the zygote, morula, and the blastocyst. And in between the modal and blastocyst, we see that the zona pellucida is lost because there are too many cells. The zona pellucida just breaks like a shell of an egg and all these cells keep growing. An implantation occurs when the blastocyst attaches to the endometrium after seven or eight days after fertilization. And now the embryo, the embryo starts developing and growing, getting the nutrients from the endometrium. The endometrium 
of the uterus will suffer changes, and it's called decidua. But it's the same tissue, it's just the same endometrium, it's just after the blastocyst implants and starts getting the nutrients from, from the endometrium. Again, this picture is showing the same thing, the sequence of seven days from the moment of fertilization until the moment of implantation in the endometrium. Now this blastocyst, when it reaches the endometrium, will attach in a special way because this blastocyst will have two groups of cells, one inner cell mass in blue here called embryoblast and a group of cells that surround the whole blastocyst called the trophoblast. So the inner cell mass is directed towards the endometrium because this inner cell mass then later will start differentiating in the body of the person. And the endometrial uh, glands will get really rich in nutrients after the blastocysts get implanted. And now the embryo, when it develops, all this inner cell mass will start getting uh, differentiated in different tissues, layers, and uh, membranes. Right after the second week, in the second week of development, we already have an embryonic disc with three different layers and membranes that will be surrounding the embryo. So the disc will turn into the embryo and the fetus. And the membranes will surround the fetus and they are the amnion, the yolk sac, allantois, and chorium. Different groups of membranes that will cover uh, the embryo. Now this disc that has three layers is clearly seen after three weeks. And these three layers will give place, or they are named, as the primary germ layers, which are the ectoderm, mesoderm, and endoderm. Ectoderm, the most superficial, mesoderm in the middle, and the endoderm inner layer. From these three layers, primary germ layers, is where all the tissues will develop. All types of tissues that we have studied, nervous tissue, muscular, connective tissue, um, and epithelial tissue, they will develop from all these, from these three layers, or three primary germ layers. The ectoderm, mesoderm, and endoderm. And here we see some of the membranes. The amnium will determine a cavity that we see in blue called the amniotic cavity, which contains a lot of fluid. The yolk sac in yellow, this yolk sac at the end, it will get included inside the body of the, of the embryo. Because this disc, from being just a flat disc, it will start getting folded. Getting folded and may get the shape of the human body. So what these layers give place to, the ectoderm will differentiate into the brain, tissues of the brain, nerves, and epidermis of the skin. The epidermis of the skin. The mesoderm 
connective tissue. Initially, it's called mesenchyme. That's the connective tissue of the embryo. But then it will give, give place to blood, muscles, bones, and basically connective tissue. Muscular tissue will come from the mesoderm also. And the endoderm will give rise to epithelial lining of the digestive tube. All these epithelial types that we have studied in digestive uh, gastrointestinal system and digestive tube, the columnar, simple columnar, uh, inside the stomach, intestines, all of them derive from the endoderm, just the epithelial part. And the membranes are mentioned here again. The amnion turns into amniotic cavity that contains the fluid that we call amniotic fluid. That's the fluid that comes out when uh, uh, breaks close to the delivery time during labor sometimes. The old sac gets inside the body and this is the place where the blood cells are formed at the very beginning. Allantois, this membrane will be part of the umbilical cord, and the chorion, which is the outermost layer of the embryo, these are the cells that will produce HCG. Now we know the HCG, they has, uh, uh, it has the action of LH, it will stimulate the corpus luteum to produce more progesterone until later when the placenta will take over. So little by little, and this is about eight weeks, six, seven weeks actually, um, we see the amniotic fluid and the amniotic cavity in blue, and the disc, the flat disc now, if get folded and included some of these membranes and organs developing inside the body. We see the yolk sac, that is getting like a small remain, then later will be reabsorbed and included the allantois part of the umbilical cord, and the chorion is a red membrane that surrounds everything. And that's where the HCG is formed. Now we see this embryo attached to the endometrium, and progressively the part of the chorion that is attached to the endometrium will turn into this organ that we know as placenta. And the placenta has two components. One component comes from the fetus or embryo and the other component from the mother. So it's like a membrane, like a wall that separates both and at the same time allows exchange of nutrients and wastes. So the placenta has two components, the maternal and the fetal component, and this is the place where nutrients and wastes are exchanged. But there is no mixing of fetal and mother blood. There is, this placenta has such a structure that it will not allow that the blood of the mother and the fetus get together or get exposed to each other. They are separated. Just the nutrients and wastes, they are exchanged. This membrane will separate it completely. 
And not only that, the placenta will produce hormones. Will produce hormones like the HCG that we mentioned already, the estrogen, progesterones are produced in the placenta also, because they're gonna take care of some other things like development of the mammary glands in preparation for nursing. So all the placenta will produce some of these hormones. And through the rest of the pregnancy, the placenta is responsible for keeping the environment of the uterus and prepare the mammary glands for breastfeeding. Since it produces estrogens, progesterone, they will help the mammary gland to get ready. So after birth, prolactin will be produced and the milk is ready to be uh, made and released by the cells of the mammary gland. The trimesters are usually mentioned as landmarks for development. As we see here, the first trimester in the first three months, we can summarize this as describing it like the most rapid changes happening during this time. We see from four weeks, seven weeks, and 10 weeks, how the zygote will quickly divide in many cells at four weeks all these discs have, have folded and included many organs that are in development. By seven weeks, we can clearly see blood vessels. Blood vessels are already formed and bringing blood to many parts of the embryo. And at 10 weeks, we can recognize some of the upper limbs, lower limbs, and this, like a bubble, is the amniotic sac. And the embryo is actually floating in fluid inside the amniotic sac. And all this part is a chorion and placenta. Though it's attached to the uterine cavity or the uterine wall. In the second trimester, starting at 12 weeks and more, we can see the human shape with all the parts clearly differentiated. We can even see the eyes, the ears, the fingers. We can see some bones. If we, for some reason, we take some x-ray or imaging study, we can see the bones already formed. And it's actually, everything is already there. All the organs are already there. In second trimester, it just increased in size. And the human features are, are refined until the moment of birth when we see everything very clear. That's why we say in the first trimester, that's the most sensitive period for damage or injury by radiation, by poisons, drugs, medications of different types. And going back to the other classification of embryo and fetus, the fetal period starts at the ninth week. And if we want to make, uh, be more exact, after the eighth week, after the eighth week, we have all these organs already formed, and from eight to 12, it's just keep growing and increasing in size, and beyond the second trimester also. So fetus is a term that we use for the moment of after eight weeks, or ninth week to the 40th week, or birth.
During this period, the organs, they continue to grow and differentiate. Now the changes are very quick, but initially, uh, in a relative way, whether it's accelerated growth, but it's not, it's not seen clearly as part of the pregnancy. Usually in the second half of the pregnancy, after the fifth month, is when we see increase of the size of the belly in the mother, because the uterus and the baby starts growing and uh, having that space in the uterus and the uterus starts to stretch and starts pushing all the viscera uh, up to the diaphragm. By the 34 weeks of development, the fetus will have almost no room inside the uterus. And this is the moment where the fetus acquires a final position, a final situation and position, meaning where the head is, and where the body is, and where the lower limbs are. Usually, and this is a, the most the percentage of people, the head is directly, directed to the pelvis, like in an upside down position, in preparation for the labor and delivery. But that is determined by the size of the uterus, is determined sometimes by the shape of the uterus, the shape of the pelvic bone. Sometimes there are different types of pelvis that would not allow the head to come upside down or towards the pelvis. And we have a different presentation. The head is not directed to the pelvis, that is directed to, uh, to the diaphragm. But usually the head is the one that gets directed towards the pelvis for the moment of birth. As we see how progressively from 26 to 29 weeks, the baby is able to move around and it changes its position all the time. Sometimes when we examine pregnant women at this stage, 26 weeks, 27 weeks, we can feel the head directed to the pelvis, but then the next examination, the head is not there anymore. The baby has moved and flipped completely. And even after some weeks, the baby still moves, but at 34 weeks, that position is usually the uh, final position and it won't change. Because there's no more room actually to be moving like, like before. This is another timeline that divides the embryonic period and fetal period um, by the week. And it shows different organs and how they are developing, which week uh, they start to develop. Look at the neural, the nervous system. It starts developing in the second and third week, very early. Then the next one is the heart. The heart starts pumping by the third week, by the middle of the third week. Of course, it doesn't have the final shape still, but it's a tube, but blood circulates inside, and we sometimes can see that uh, heartbeat, rudimentary, primitive heartbeat with an ultrasound. Then after that, the upper limb, lower limbs, ear, the eyes, and progressively some other parts of the mouth and the rest of the body. So by the end of the embryonic period, by the end of the eight weeks, most of the organs are there already. 
They just keep growing and keep differentiating. Any problem that happens during the, embry uh, the embryonic period, eight weeks, may lead to major abnormalities. And any injury after the eighth week will lead usually to minor abnormalities or functional abnormalities, but still. Imagine someone uh, uh, receiving radiation during the first eight weeks. That will be a serious problem. But then in the, if that happens after the ninth week, still there may be some problems, but then they are not major like the ones that happen in the first, uh, in the first period, the embryonic period. That's a comparison of how the relative size is, and this is kind of a scale period, to show how from the ovum that is barely seen here, it's like a dot, blastocyst, embryo, 18 days, 24 days, six weeks, eight weeks, the embryonic period ends here. And we can clearly see how after the nine weeks, this like a little baby that is just keep growing in size because everything is already inside the organs and everything is in there it just keeps growing hormones of the pregnancy the placenta produces hormones and the placenta will produce these hormones first to maintain the pregnancy because the corpus luteum has been producing progesterone in the second part of the cycle, the menstrual cycle. And if there is pregnancy, HCG maintains the corpus luteum, so progesterone keeps being produced. But then after nine weeks, eight weeks, the placenta has to take over, and the placenta will produce estrogen and progesterone. The chorion produces HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin, that will maintain the corpus luteum if there's a pregnancy. But then in the, after the third month, first trimester, the placenta will make estrogen, progesterone, and will take over that job. The corpus luteum will just regress, and we'll see just a scar after some, um, some weeks. The hormones are, one of them is called human placental lactogen, which is a hormone that prepare the mammary glands for lactation. And it may play a role in the fetal metabolism also, in terms of availability of glucose, amino acids. CRH, CRH is produced by the placenta. Normally, it's produced by the hypothalamus. In the endocrine system, we study CRH. But it's thought to be part of this developmental clock that establishes the time of birth. The CRH seems to be produced by the placenta when it's time to, uh, to start the labor. And cortisol plus CRH will be signals that will start the labor. Relaxin 
is made by the corpus luteum and also the placenta layer. Relaxing is about making the pubic bone flexible. This pubic symphysis, fibrocartilage in between the two pubic bones. It has to be more flexible for the labor time and delivery time. It has to stretch and have to make some room for the head of the baby coming through. Increases flexibility of the pubic symphysis and helps to dilate the uterine cervix during labor. And here are the other hormones that are produced by the placenta, the CRH, the somatomammotropin, HCG, and the relaxin. Finally, some changes during the pregnancy. During the pregnancy, there are many changes in the, uh, in the body of the mother. And everything, all the changes are directed to provide the best environment for the baby. Weight gain, which includes the weight of the fetus, amniotic fluid, placenta. But then more nutrients are needed. That's why proteins, triglycerides, minerals, are increased in amounts so the mother can store those. It's very important, good nutrition before pregnancy and during the whole pregnancy. Mammary glands get prepared for lactation and as an effect of the weight gain, there will be a lower doses, a spinal lower doses, like increase of that curvature at the lumbar level that usually leads to back pain in the third trimester usually. Cardiovascular system, there's an increase of 30% in circulating blood volume. An increase of the red cell mass, the red blood cells, because the fetus will demand oxygen. For more oxygen, more red blood cells are needed and more volume of blood. That's why nutrition is very important. If the mother is, that, is anemic, has anemia or borderline anemia, they will develop severe anemia because of the increased demand of the baby. The cardiac output increases 20-30%. Cardiac output, that amount that the heart handles in one minute. People with uh, cardiac problems like valvular problem, the heart valves problem, or cardiac disease, congenital cardiac disease, when they get pregnant and they get into the second trimester, they get worse. And sometimes that's the moment of diagnosis. We just know that they have a cardiac problem during the pregnancy because the cardiac output is increased and the heart is not able to handle that amount of blood. The respiration will change as the minute ventilation increases up to 40%. Same thing, to increase the demands of oxygen the baby and later it gets more affected because the uterus pushes all the organs up to the diaphragm and the diaphragm goes up and the space of the thoracic cage thoracic cavity will be a little bit decreased and as a compensation there is increased respiratory rate that on the third trimester usually and the digestive system appetite centers increase, so increase the ingestion, energy, and that is imposed by the fetus. 
urinary system, the GFR, glomerular filtration rate, increases because there's additional waste coming from the baby. And the urinary bladder will be compressed by the enlarging uterus, and that's a reason of increased frequency of urinary tract infections during the pregnancy. So these are some changes that happen during the pregnancy, and uh, next time we're gonna talk about the uh, labor, delivery, after delivery, and concepts of inheritance. Any question, comment? Okay, if you give me two minutes, I will go to the lab and get all the exams and the scores so I can give it to you before you leave today.